0: Welcome to Mom Special 2, a podcast that celebrates the special needs mother. My name is Annika and I will be your host on the show. If you haven't done so yet, please follow us on Instagram or visit our own webpage at momspecial2.com. Thank you for being here with me today.
1: Let's get started. Welcome to episode 7
0: today I interview Erica Lemke Pembroke, author of Feel Sexy Again. One of the reasons I enjoyed this episode so much is because nothing is off the table for Erica. Those things that many of us are curious about and want to talk about but don't because of the fear of judgment, those are the discussions Erica embraces most. So if you're in a place where you're not feeling your sexiest, or you're not engaged in a healthy sexual relationship with your partner, this episode is for you. As Erica says, no one else is going to help us feel sexy. We have to do that ourselves. Erica wants to send you a free copy of her book. You can write her on Instagram at feelsexyagain and I'll include that information in the show notes. Enjoy the show.
1: Well. Uh, are you in utah now i'm in utah currently yes and so how, been, are, how is it there right now you know utah um the interesting thing about utah is we are a, a state of preppers <laughs> so it's like i feel it's like the you know they're prepared for the zombie apocalypse so they you know they're just they're ready so even like a month ago We were out of toilet paper, maybe a month and a half ago, before anything kind of even really came down for our state. So it's been really interesting to say the least. Yeah, like where where's the balance, right? Where you don't want to be like totally like la la la, like nothing's happening and everything's just fine, right? But then on the other side of the spectrum, being so like hyper-vigilant about everything. And that's a scary yeah. but what a stressful place. I mean it's stressful anyway, but then we add that other stress onto ourselves. Ay, ay, It's yeah. awful. Well, let's get into our interview because I'm so excited to have you here today.
0: <laughs> we can talk all day. Sorry. You know, yeah. We have a lot of things to cover. Yeah. So I want to welcome everyone to the podcast today. We have Erica Lemke Pembroke on the show. Erica helps women to reclaim sexual confidence, own their pleasure, and discover authenticity. Erica believes that we are all 100% capable and lovable and worthy. We just need to believe in and trust ourselves. She is the author of Feel Sexy Again, which helps you to learn many things, one of which is to own your sexy story and create healthy narratives that support your own vision. So welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I was going to ask you, because when sometimes when I do my interviews, they're only on audio, and I was going to ask if you were wearing your wig. I can see that you're not. (laughs) I Uh, am not. Not today. Okay. So the backstory on that is Erica has this amazing wig, and she found out that it brought out this kind of the tigress inside of her when she put it on and that was a part of the unleashing and you know coming forward into this this woman that we see before us today and I loved your book I think your book was really informative it allowed me to finally start putting some things into place for myself that I've been wanting to do and I've been thinking about the problem for me is that I haven't been able to maintain them and I think you know I can for me I'm a great starter I get really excited about something and I can see how it's benefiting me or other people. And then I kind of fall off. And I think being a special needs mother also, and just a mother in general, that's something that doesn't become a priority again and again and again. However, what I've understood from your work is that it is a priority. You know, even if it's not in the forefront, it's it's still there. And so I'm happy to have you on the show so you can share your wisdom with all of us and help us to put ourselves Actually, first, you know, and take care of ourselves, and that's okay to, to step into our truth, and you know whatever
1: that looks like for each one of us. Mm. I love that you said that because I think that's it's so important. I think what happens often is when we say we put ourselves first, what automatically comes to mind? Selfish. Yep. How dare you? Like guilt. Right about so and so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shame. Absolutely. So we were so conditioned, I think, to put everyone, everyone's needs before our own. And I think, again, it's inherent, I think, as mothers, we just tend to fall into that role because, you know, we are there to, you know, we've just created these little beings that we're trying to help, you know, not just survive, but thrive in this world, right? So we put so much of our, we put everything into it, because we want them to, you know, research sur- surviving and, and thriving adults. And, you know, I was, I was um, in my master's program. I was pregnant through half of my master's program. And my thesis was on self-identity and new motherhood. It was my first baby. Wow. So it was really interesting to be pregnant in a marriage and family therapy program, having to have a lot of self-reflection and a lot of really internal, you know, stuff going on through just learning about, you know, therapy and all that. But having, being pregnant through this process was really um, an interesting, I'd say experiment. I didn't do it on purpose, but it turned out to kind of be that way because it was now, holy crap. I'm not, it's not just me that I'm having to think about. I have someone else now that I'm going to have to think about and care for. And how the hell am I going to do that? And how will that change the way that I look and see myself? Wow. Wow. What was that like going forward? Were
0: you able to start having some new practices as a result of being in the program and working on your thesis in that area? Like, do you think that that things would have been differently had you not done that?
1: most likely, I, I think that being pregnant and then my she was one when I graduated, so I think it helped to inform the way like I did a lot of work with um, with families and children, and having you know, you're taught to to have empathy, right? It's one of the 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 tools in the toolkit that you know that we learn to have, and but being actually in it and seen it from their perspective because it was literally like in vivo I was going through this experience I think it helped to shape how I viewed especially mothers parents but especially mothers and children and it gave me a lot more sense of oh just possibility and the hardships and the challenges and the beauty of all of that that holistic you know perspective of you know Parenthood is the most challenging thing and also the most beautiful, right? So it's that dichotomy of, oh my goodness, this is, I've had a hard day and my children are screaming and they haven't stopped, right? To the other end of like oh my God, I love this. I will, I would rip someone's heart out in a heartbeat if they even looked at my child wrong. <laughs> you know. So having those perspectives, I, I, it just deepened the way that I think that I, I had my own empathy for, for them, but it then also reflected back on me too.
0: That's so beautiful.
1: So walk me through
0: that then. So can you, can you actually, let's back up a little bit. Yeah, sure. Tell us a little bit about where you, where you were born, where you were raised, just a little bit about who you were before you became a mother, and then walk us through, well, we just heard a little bit about the motherhood piece, but maybe just walk us through to who you are today.
1: Okay, I'd be happy to do that. I'm um, Northern California raised, so I was born in Silicon Valley, San Jose area, mm-hmm. but then moved around a lot as a kid, so went to a lot of different schools, and but all in Northern California. and. You know, when I was younger, I really, I hated moving because we'd just get settled, right? We'd just make my, I'd finally meet the best friends, right? And then, and have this connection and then it was ripped away for me because we were headed off to go somewhere else. So that was my whole childhood, all the way through high school, essentially. And over time, though, I realized what a benefit that was for me because and I was a latchkey kid. So both parents worked, um, didn't spend a lot of time with us growing up so got to be very um i would say i was a parentified child growing up very um responsible sometimes you know maybe too much so but grew up to be very responsible had younger brothers um but what i realized through all of that was that i had to be able to make friends really quickly if i wanted to you know have that connection with others so it allowed me to be flexible and also kind of not really scared to put myself out there for people because I wanted, I'm a social person, I need to be around people, I need to have friends. And so it really allowed me to do that and that carried through my entire life. So I'm grateful for that. Um, On the other side was my my mom was never home. So we kind of raised ourselves essentially. So when I did think about having kids and I always in my mind thought, I wanna be home for my kids. I mean, I want to be home and be there. And, you know, my mom did a great job with what she knew, right? I mean, they both did the best to to their abilities. I just wanted more for my own kids and for my own self, I guess, to be able to be there through those milestones and just to be there to really just essentially raise these little these little beans. And I was really fortunate that I was able to do that. I was home for um, almost eight years and was incredibly grateful for that incredibly grateful. Um, But being a mother was also, it was the thing that I wanted to do so badly and I got it. You know, it's like, you know, I got, I got my wish. And this, and the other side of that was, is that I felt really, really lonely also, which I'm sure other people can, can resonate with, but I had no one to talk to for a long time. And I remember I was, I had my first child and I was breastfeeding her and I was like, rocking her in chair and staring out the window and I would see these mothers with strollers walk by and I almost wanted to like open the door and go, hi, do you want a cup of coffee or something? You just want to come in? Like, I just need to talk, I need to, you, you know, are you going through what I'm going through? Like just that need to connect, especially as a mom, I think we can feel so incredibly I mean it's the most beautiful thing, right? And also it can be so incredibly lonely if we don't have the support and just sometimes just an ear, just for someone to listen to us while we cry and say, I had such a crappy day. And I just I just need someone to talk to right now.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, the loneliness. <laughs> I, I I have You know, I've been at the park with my when I just had Electra, my older daughter, who has special needs, and I've been at the park with her, and I've seen other kids playing, and the kids are playing together, and maybe the moms are there talking, and and I have felt even even being amongst a group of people, even if I know them, you know, like from Electra's preschool, not so lonely. Mm
1: -hmm. Just you
0: know, even being in a group, even being out with people. So and I and I've definitely been at home looking out the window the same kind of way. Yeah, it's motherhood is the best thing in the world and I think it's also there's just so much growth for us you know as the as the mothers I think like my my daughter is raising me
1: you know mm, mm-hmm, mm. Well, we learn so much about ourselves through this process right oh it's and it's never ending <laughs> It's never ending. It just keeps going and going. So how, so now you're in Utah.
0: So and I know that you have a, you have a little piece of Spain in you. So explain to us how you ended up there. And-
1: yes. Well, I, so I, so I remarried. Um, I was married um, for almost 15 years and my ex-husband, um, you know, he was a, he was a, he is a wonderful man. Um, but I think through, through just the process of our own relationship, I realized that he and i just really weren't meant to be together as a romantic couple right it took me years though to realize that that's something that was number one that was the case and admit that to myself and then secondly what the hell do i do with that you know i had young children and you know how many i mean i just i know parents right now or people right now that are they're, they're they have teenagers and and I think that they're waiting until their teens are graduated and then they're gonna they're gonna split the next day i mean it's it's so it was that feeling of oh my gosh i I don't want to screw up my children you know I came from a divorced family and i it was hard it was hard seeing my parents it was hard growing up with that back in the eighties and you know, that was something that was not as typical as it is today. And I'm going to be 50 next month. So.
0: Yay. I, happy birthday. Yay.
1: Hey, thank you. <laughs> but I think that, um, man, just being able to, I just totally lost my train of thought. Yeah. Me.
0: Well, that, cause that, that, that deserves a moment of <laughs> celebration there.
1: Oh man. I don't know what we're we talking. were <laughs> we <to? laughs> were talking
0: about. Um, you know uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it's my birthday next month too. And I, I yeah, like, like, know. Oh, you're yeah. an Aries.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. oh. I'm 420, so I'm on the cuffs. Though so that's oh, date. Yeah. Four yeah, eight. So, I'm a yeah. bit before. Uh, okay. So maybe that's my. So now I'm having a total brain fart right now. So this this is part and parcel of what's to come. So. <laughs> oh, honey. Um, Yeah. Okay. I know we were talking about moms and, you know, how growing up and and how you were growing up. I got got it. Back on track. And your husband,
0: your ex-husband.
1: Yes. Jane. Yes. 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 Thank you for getting me back there. Um, And we were in the wine industry. So it took us all over the world. So we actually lived in uh, near Mexico City uh, to learn Spanish. And then later on, um, he got a job um, pretty much centered in, um, in Madrid. And so we took our young children and enrolled them in school and, and lived, lived in Madrid. And that was phenomenal. I mean, this whole thing about tra- I mean the travel, virtual travel is great, right? But I, I love getting out there. I love just being a part of, of a different culture and everything associated with that. It just lights me up. I love it so much. <laughs> so we
0: were quite close to one another. I was in Greece probably when you were in Spain then. When did you leave? uh
1: 2000, so I was there what two thousand and eight and left in twenty ten. Okay. So yeah. Same and time then, as me. In Mexico, <laughs> like in the late nineties, so quite a quite a while. But yeah, but I mean, just having that experience too, I think is so valuable that we are in our bubbles, right? And now literally we are in our bubbles and, you know, for a while we're going to have to stay there. But, you know, being able just to see how other people live, I think we get so conditioned to our own ways, right? So having to see someone else live in their way and in their environment, it's really, it's humbling number one. And also it's just really like, it's awesome to think, wow, I mean, we can all live in different ways that suits each one of us. And, but I love to immerse myself. Like I want to just, I want to, I want to be a part of it when I'm able to, it just, it gives me so much joy.
0: Well, I think that's going to be happening in Hawaii here soon, which we'll hear about later. Cause I know you have some fun <laughs> things happening this year. Tell us about your book. Why did you write it? What's it about? Break it down for us.
1: Well, you know, just talking about going back to the place of, you know, I'm going to say that I'm like a self-reported perfectionist and also codependent yep. and that has shaped me in ways that I'm just now realizing. Maybe the perfectionist part I've known for quite a while, but the whole codependent thing is is fairly new for me. I mean, I have a lot of... Um, I'd experienced with, you know, family members in recovery and alcoholism and all that stuff. And, you know, just from a young, like I said, I was a parentified child. And so I always grew up with this, like, very, the sense of being a pleaser, being a placater, um, doing what was right, not rocking the boat, um, no conflict whatsoever, like, stay is clear. So I will do whatever I need to do, be whoever I need to be in order for that not to happen. And I think that was really happening for me at a time when there was multiple transitions going on in my life. And my father was dying, my teenage daughter was going off the rails. Um, My son has an autoimmune disease and he was hospitalized um, several times. Um, Financial insecurities, we just had a huge move. And all of these things were going on and I was still trying to maintain that everything was okay and that I was okay, and making sure everyone else was, you know, I was making sure their needs were taken care of, and I was dying inside, and it really did get to a place, and I feel like it's a whole eat, pray, love thing, which feels like, yeah, yeah, whatever, like, that's not true, but it really was. I was at a point where, like, literally, I was just on the floor in the bathroom going, I either, I I need to make a drastic change in my life, or I felt that I was just going to either just run away because I just couldn't deal anymore, or was really just going to become incapacitated, quite honestly. And it scared the crap out of me, because that is not how I normally felt. I felt like normally I I live a very healthy lifestyle, I I enjoy my life, I enjoy my sexuality and all that, and I had none of it. It was like it was all just numb. I felt numb and
0: that's like the gift of desperation right when you yeah. get to that that bittersweet spot
1: absolutely yeah and it seems tried to say that right like you know you got to get to the bottom before you can but there are times in our lives that I think that we all go through that right and the scary thing is is that for a lot of us we just don't say anything right I think we just kind of deal with it the best way we can, but we don't get the help that we need. So for me, a big turning point with that was like, I hadn't been the doctor in years. There was just a lot of stuff that I just totally neglected. I was drinking more and I was, I was just being very unhealthy. I was buffering all my feelings, right? Buffering everything. I didn't want to deal with any of it. I didn't want to feel any of it. So I did a lot of things just so I didn't have to, you know, didn't have to be in that spot because you know feelings and feeling emotions are tough right somebody it's so much easier just to like you know push them aside and like yeah we'll deal with them in a later time well you know that stuff is going to come up and it's going to come up in not great ways right did you just say i'm going to sit down and i'm going to
0: write did you just start or- channeling that energy into your project
1: I think that's part of it. I've been journaling for probably over 30 years um, and just writing everything, you know, good, bad and everything. So I, I feel grateful for that, that I, I had that, just that desire to write and journal. And I just, it's been such a, honestly, such a godsend and such a way to get all of that out. Right. It's just mental and emotional health for me. And at some point I always wanted to write. I always wanted to put something out there, but of course was afraid that, you know, once you put something out there, people are going to read it, right? <laughs> but it came to a point where it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it anymore. I couldn't like keep it for myself. So this process just kind of started unraveling where I was writing all this stuff down. I was like, I have to actually do something with this. I have to, I have to help maybe be able to help someone else who might be going through some similar things that I'm experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have. That, was really, that was really the, that was really the, the impetus for me. And at the same time as I was also coaching um, a lot of women who were having similar, you know, similar things happening, huge transitions that they didn't know how to deal with. And they were just, they were becoming numb. They were numbing out. They were not being able to reconnect with their bodies, their, you know, their sexuality, their sensuality. It was just like, I, I couldn't ignore it because I was feeling these things too. And then I had these other women come into my life who are experiencing these. I'm like, yeah, I got to, I can't let this go. I got to do something about this.
0: So they were a group of women. So you saw a trend that this yeah, was happening. Yeah. 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 Without a yeah, doubt. I, I believe a lot of the women that are listening right now are probably nodding their heads saying, thank you for talking about mm-hmm. this. You know, Thank yeah. you for bringing it out into the open because it does need to be discussed. Yeah. And
1: well, that's really a big impetus why I wrote the book, because like we talked earlier, earlier on, I want us to have these discussions. I want us to have discussions about hard things that we all feel and all are curious about, but we're so frightened to put it out on the table. You know, we're so frightened to have someone look at us and go oh, Erica, yeah, she's that weird one. I don't want to be with her. I'm, yeah. I'm going to pull away from the friend or whatever that is. Right. But there's just so, we're so afraid of the judgment of others. And, but truth be told, you know, we women can be really awful to each other. I mean, we really can. And that's, so that's a hard, that's a hard place to be. Right. So how do you feel like you can, you can speak your truth. You can support and feel supported With having the safety and the the non-judgmental, you know, space and community, that's so vital. And especially these days right now, we need that. Yeah. And we're going to be judged if we do
0: or if we don't, right? You know, you hear that saying, like, whether you do it or not, you're going to be judged. So why don't you go ahead and do what feels right for you? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm even teaching my daughter, you know, as long as you're not harming anyone or, you know, do what feels right for you. And of course, staying safe, you yeah, know, some things, course. you know, she's only five. <laughs> right. but um,
1: well, yeah, don't I wish I had known that when
0: I was 25 because I, yeah, I made yeah. a lot of choices based on the expectations that I thought other people had of me or even society had of me. Like A mm-hmm. good girl wouldn't do that. Or if I did something that wasn't considered proper, you know, the judgment that I received from friends or family or whatever, yeah, it was enough to cause me to go into a little bit of hiding for a while, you know, and now I'm going to be 41 next month. And I feel like, you know, when you look back and you think I I might have done something a bit different there,
1: you know, and Well, and don't you think too, We we don't like to say no we don't yeah. like to say no to anyone. And I think, again, especially as moms and you know, we get in schools where people need all kinds of things from us, right? PTA and the, you know, bake, I mean, you name it, right? Oh, will you be the chair of this, you know, the silent auction? Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like we, it took me a long time to be able to say no because I volunteered. I did everything in school with my kids as much as possible. But I think that, you know, I think we obviously, we, there's a part that, like we get something out of it, right? Like we want to, we want to be seen as like, I will do anything for my child. I will sacrifice myself because, and don't I look like a mother, mother, you know, if I do all these these things for my child, I'm going to be seen as a good mom. And right. I think then that puts us in a really hard position, right? Because it's like, okay, who's next? Who's going to one-up you and who's going to try right. and do this and that? And but, most of those in me included, I can say it was like, I was, I kept saying yes. And I didn't, I didn't have any more time to do it, but I still did it until it came to a point where it's like, I have to make a decision and I have to start saying no. Hey, if it doesn't light me up by saying yes, and it has to be a no right now. And you know, someone else is going to be behind me going, yep, I'll do it. I'll raise my hand. But you know, at some point we have to, okay, if it, if it feels good and you have the energy and the time then that's awesome but if you don't and you're strapped and you are like you're beyond your well is beyond dry and then you're putting one more thing out there yeah how is that how how does that work for our own own health and quite honestly how does it work for anybody else right
0: yeah it just gives us this false sense of self like it just validates my worthiness because I'm doing, I'm, I'm a doer and I'm doing more and look at all this stuff that I can do. And
1: I had a friend journal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have a friend, Jennifer, she had kids before I did. And she was telling me, explaining to me how, what it was like. She said, but Annika, you know, once the kids started school, it was the other moms, you know, this thing like this clickiness and, you know, and, um, the competition
1: pretty much. Yeah. And
0: she said, you know, and she's very kind of free, free flowing and open-minded and she's just a really fun spirited girl. And it was interesting. And I, I, you know, when she was explaining that to me and I thought, Oh, and then I have Electra and she also has special needs. So the clickiness was even, it was kind of a bit more strange for me because it's like, I was also in this other thing, you know, that, and and no one really knew where that fit in because there were no other special needs kids around forever like anywhere in the city that in the area in hong kong where i was in and so it was it was very isolating yeah it was strange and and i i did say yes to a lot of things that i didn't need to be doing and and i i just want to ask you quickly before we get back into your book when you you said you were home with your kids for the first eight years did you allow yourself to be a mother. And I'm not going to say to just be a mother because that is a loaded term. I'm Mm. just a mom. Mm. Did you allow yourself to be a mother and to not, or or were you always thinking like, I want to do some, you know, as being an MFT,
1: I want to do some work on the side. I want to, I need to be doing more. It's a really good question. I think it, to be honest, I think it was a mixed bag in the beginning. Oh yeah. I mean, I felt like that was the dream that I, that I, that I wished for that. I had this unending time with my kids and it felt so wonderful. I mean, there were hard days. I, I won't get you, you know, and sometimes I felt, Ooh, let me just go work at McDonald's for the day just to get away from things. Right. <laughs> Cause things are so crazy, but, but yes, being quote unquote, you know, quote, unquote, just a mom was one of my, probably one of my ultimate dreams as, as a kid myself. And I felt so grateful for that. And, you know, once they got into school, things changed because they weren't there all the time. Right. And we had playdates, you know, when they were younger. And so, you know, it was 24 seven, right. They didn't, they didn't, you know, we may have taken them to a, a, you know, some classes and things like that, but you know, until they got into school, I enjoyed, I'd relished in it even, even with the hard days, because I felt like, wow, when else am I ever going to have an opportunity like this? So I
0: felt really grateful. See for all the moms listening that are at home and, you know, have those mixed feelings of wanting to be home and also wanting to be out doing more, you know, creatively, although being a mother is the most creative thing that we can do, which my friend, Dr. Kat informed me of, and I I love that, (laughs) you know, but that's just to rest with where you are. And it's nice for me to hear that too, because I'm a full-time mom right now. And sometimes I'm, you know, I want to do more, which is why I had started Mom Special too, because I feel like I wanted to connect with more women and, you know, take care of the isolation piece that we were yeah
1: about. and and you know and think and thank god that was like what a what an act of like the best like self-care that you can give yourself is creating that for you right because yeah. then you are you're getting your needs met and you're helping other women to do the same oh, it's and incredible. we need community we need yeah. community
0: oh absolutely and having lived in greece for some years i i saw that community is a big mm. part of the greek culture you know going out meeting for a coffee and you know, not taking care of all the things you need to get done, just go in sitting and, and talking and just being with other people. That's something that we're making a priority for ourselves as a family going forward. The women that are listening, if you have pen and paper, maybe you want to write a list or some notes or even on your phone, what are some things that the women listening can start doing if they want to start feeling sexy again?
1: Mm. Well, I think first and foremost is knowing that you deserve it. I think so many of us, especially as a mom, I'm a mom and I can be sexy. Those don't, those don't mesh, right? It's almost like you can be one or the other. How can you be a mom and be sexy? It just kind of feels like, ooh, that just seems weird, right? <laughs> it just kind of seems weird, right? And yet this is what we... We have, to get, we have to get away of that notion, right? And sexy, again, I think when we keep, when I say the word sexy, sometimes, you know, it's the assumption of like, okay, I'm ready for sex. Let's go. You know, it's, but it's not just, it's not about sex. The sexy for me is empowerment. It's your vitality. It's, you know, who, that, the light, the spark that you have for yourself and then how you act in the world. And it has nothing to do with, I mean, it can definitely have a lot to do with having sex, but it's about how we just interpret the world and how we move within it, within ourselves. And being able to be confident within ourselves and knowing that we are authentic in our truth, whatever that might be, that's sexy. And you think about someone who walks into a room and has that confidence and and has that sense of like, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling great about myself. And, and I'm feeling like, you know, I can take on the day. That exudes out into that energy is palpable, right? And I know, I'm sure we've all experienced that. You see someone, you're like, yeah, that person, that person's got it. That person's, and it feels good to be in that space, right? To be able to just feel that confidence is incredible. Yeah, I've even felt that before, but it's fleeting. You know, yes.
0: that's gone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, and to your point, you know, we have to do this for ourselves. No one else is going to do it for us. Our, our guys or girls, they're not going to make us feel sexy, right? We have to curate that for ourselves.
0: Is anyone else thinking of the Jennifer Lopez video? <laughs> I, ain't your mama. I'm picturing <laughs> myself like. like <laughs> or what's yes. the, is it the Fergie video where they're all the moms are the milk video or is that? Is that Fergie? Oh, uh, you, I'm going to get,
1: get some calls on that. Let me know. Yeah. Just let me
0: know. Can somebody remind me that, you know, where they're all in the front yard with milk?
1: Oh God. Oh yeah. I want to say it's Fergie, but I, I could be wrong though too. Or maybe it's yeah. Okay. Maybe. But, okay. But you know, going back to like, okay, just okay. Music. I mean, if anything else, you know, you put on some music that makes you feel good, makes you move your hips, just makes you move and feel good about yourself. Oh man, there's nothing like that. I'll tell you. And I've been a dancer my entire life and, but you don't have to be a dancer. You just have to just get a piece that, that moves you. And you know, it can be sexy, but you know, we can, we have different emotions, right? So I do something called S factor, which is kind of authentic feminine movement. And it it's kind of a combination of uh, Pilates and, a little bit of strip teasing, and because we use a pole sometimes, you don't always have to use the pole, but it's there. But it's really about the embodiment of our own sensuality and our sexuality too, but giving ourselves permission to move and to touch and not touch ourselves, but don't, um, that's not what I'm talking about, but just being able to put your hands on your body and feel, you know, put your hands on your legs, on your arms, on your shoulders, caress yourself and love yourself. You think about how we how we love our kids, right? And we give them such genuine heartfelt embraces. We need to do that with ourselves. We need to do that for us. And that sensual touch that we need for for ourselves is paramount. And it's not for a lover or for our spouse or whatever to do that for us. That's a bonus. That's awesome when that happens. But we really have to be able to do that for ourselves first and really accept it, know that we're deserving of it, and also knowing that it feels damn good. It feels good when we can do that for ourselves. Oh, it's There's nothing like that, right? When you, when you just feel good in whatever skin you're in, just feeling that, you know, connecting to yourself, mind, body, and soul, I think is just it's just really crucial. And especially when we are in times where we are frazzled and have no time and, you know, being able to, you know, just be out, we have to be in right now. So how can we do these things for ourselves when we have some limitations?
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think it's Louise Hay that talks about making a pleasure list.
1: Yes. And I have a pleasure principles in my book as well. So, yeah. So, and it's important for us to know what gives us pleasure, right? Sexual pleasure, non-sexual pleasure, right? So go to the senses, right? We're sensual beings. We're sensual creatures. So taste, touch, smell, all of those sensations. A while back, I think it was in the nineties. I think I put this list together. It was a while ago. Could have been the early two thousands. I can't remember now, but But even what, like what sense, what sense give you a sense of pleasure, right? Um, Foods, bubble, you know, bubble bath or, or just, you know, being out in nature, having the sun on your skin, you know, the wind, I mean, anything that you can pull together with your senses and it gives you a sense of pleasure Write that stuff down, encourage you to just experience these things and play around with them and see what, you know, some things might feel good now, next year, eh, I'm not into that anymore. So being able to be okay with, this is what works for me right now.
0: Yeah. What about, is there anything else that you want to add? Because I also want to ask you of something that maybe doesn't work in your experience.
1: Mm, Yeah, no, I, I would say... At least on the other list, as far as and I think I wrote a couple things down because I was thinking about that too. Um, I mean, even just okay, so yeah, so the whole you know self touch I think is really important. I'm not talking about you know, you know, yes, if you orgasm and you know all that kind of like really self pleasure, then that is of course it's it's the cherry on top, right? When when we can really do that and feel comfortable, a lot of women don't feel comfortable with that. So what I would say, sensual you know self touch. I'm not, gonna, I'm not talking about just that. It's just about connecting, connecting or reconnecting with your body and, and how your body moves, right? I think we take for granted what this, what this frame, what, 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 what we're capable of with this body. And it's really pretty magical. And I think a lot of us jo- just don't even think about it. And so like if we're walking or dancing or pay attention to how your body is moving. You know, the awareness component, I think, is really crucial. And again, we're busy, hectic. Every We're, you know, doing 20 things. We're multitasking, right? When do we stop and slow down and pay attention to everything around us?
0: When, Important. when
1: tell me, when do we do that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking like, okay, yeah, well tell me, do you have an answer for that? Exactly. Because I'm trying to find that. <laughs> I try and wake up early. That doesn't work because it keeps getting up early. I, try to, I do it at night before bed, I fall asleep. So it's the
1: t- it's the ten minutes in the bathroom, right? We have to start dancing in the bathroom. Maybe. <laughs> Without the but not in the shower unless you have a hand, you know, unless you have some safety uh, precautions. Safe showering.
0: Safe yeah, shower, shower dancing. Right.
1: Okay. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. The shower comes up a lot, actually. People are like, yeah, I get in the shower and that's my time. I, I talk to myself.
1: I'm oh, it's a great creative. interview with another,
0: with another, uh, you know, fellow mom. And she was saying the shower, when I'm in the shower, you know,
1: that's where a lot of my ideas come from is when I'm in the shower. Cause you know what? I think that that's the part is like our brains are turned off for a minute, right? Yeah. Or all the busyness, all the, st- all the crap that's in our heads. I think when we're showering, that might be one of those times where we can let we're not bothered by all that extraneous stuff, the external. And so just, it's almost like the source comes from within and all these amazing ideas come. And I just yeah. think, so that for me is just like, I, I love that time.
0: You know, I'll hear my husband's, he's not a singer at all. Like he's not, like if we went if we went to church or if we went somewhere, he wouldn't be like singing, even in the car, he's not a singer. And he will be singing in the shower and he'll come out and, I, and I'll kind of look at him and I'll be like, you are singing and he's like, I was? <laughs> it's like he doesn't even you don't even know it's like you're in this whole other state while you're in there yes, so whatever yeah. that is okay yes. so ladies go get in the shower next time you're in the shower yes Maybe you're you in the shower pleasureless yeah. too when you're in your and even in your mind and then i believe there is some power in actually writing it down like you had said you have been well checking.
1: interestingly enough i'll sometimes i'll have my phone in the bath, not, not in the bath but in the, the shower in the house, that's shower. not safe showering. <laughs> And, but ideas will come to my head when I'm in the shower. So literally when I'm out, I am putting it in my notes because I just feel like there's so much flow that happens during that time. Um, and that's the other thing I want to say is like when we are in a state of pleasure, whatever that is, that could be in the shower, having those, just whatever thoughts come right. It's sitting outside, your kids are playing and you're watching them, but yet there's this moment that you're sitting and you're basking in the sun, and you're taking it all in. right You're taking in all the senses that are happening right there. And for a moment, it could be five seconds, right? It could be It could be a very fleeting amount of time, but having that sense of awareness, of coming back to yourself, of just feeling that pleasure that is independent of anything and anyone else that's just coming like that source from you, that's what we need to pay when it comes pay attention to that and be open to having more experiences like that
0: thank you for that thank mm, you thank you so is there anything else on your list that you would like to share before we move
1: on <sighs> well and i would just, i want to go back to the but like, like Food and drink, I think, are really important. (laughs) Believe it or not, right? We're in such societies where we're just cramming food. We're, you know, we're, we're such a, you know, just eat and go. You know, eat in the car. You know, especially with kids, right? Throw something at them while they're getting into the the car, right? Being able to to prepare a meal, and even if maybe you're just and you're preparing it for your family, right? But having intention with the preparation having an intention with making a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and then sitting down and actually savoring it and actually really tasting it, taking the time to do that. We do have those moments if we really just sit back and think, I don't have the time. I don't. Yes, it might be very fleeting, like you said, and we might have to keep coming back to that over and over, but the more opportunities that we have to do that and pay attention to that, it will start to become like we we're creating a new habit, right? So if we can create these over time, we're gonna be more conditioned to doing it again and doing it again sooner.
0: So do you feel like in the beginning it might feel wrong when we start doing these things for ourselves? Kind of like, you know, it's-
1: Like it's forced. Yeah,
0: or yeah, or the guilt comes in or it's just, yep. or, or why? Yep. And you think, no, I'm gonna do this anyway. It's
1: like a muscle then,
0: like going to yeah. the gym.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And it it goes back to just knowing that you are deserving of that and you can feel guilty. That's fine. But I think time after time, try and lessen that guilt and that I, the shoulds, right? We're going to shit all over ourselves, knowing that you're valuable, that you're worthy, that you, that you honor yourself, right? Like your, our bodies are our temples, right? And we need to honor and worship ourselves and, and we need to know that that's okay.
0: So it, and give ourselves a lot to mindset.
1: For that. Absolutely.
0: It seems yep. like it's coming back a lot to the belief.
1: Yes. These beliefs
0: that we deserve that. Because I think that if we don't even have that to begin with, it's hard to implement anything. Yeah, going forward. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and, you know, we do, I do a lot of mindset work and a lot of it is, you know, we think about the story that we tell ourselves, right? The stories that we grow up with, the scripts that we've, played for you know since we were little right and so it's it become very conditioned to whatever that story is but I think what we can do though is we can always change the script right we can always rewrite a different story it's what's in our heads so whatever we're thinking and believing well yeah that's but we can have a different thought we can have a different we can actually think about changing our emotion right so I'm feeling sad feeling sad you know what I can change it. And I'm not saying this is not an easy thing, but we get so, again, conditioned in the, and going back to that sense of comfort. Even if it's dysfunctional, I think of relationships, right? And we stay in something that is very dysfunctional, but we know it. We know it so well. So we're rather, we'd are rather we rather stay in that than go to the unknown. Because unknown is scary and we don't know. We There's no prescription about what that's going to look like or feel like, but this other one here, this comfort, even though it doesn't, doesn't really serve us well, but we know it inherently, we'll go back to it. So we have to be able to start replacing that with something that's going to serve us, but we have to do it consistently to, again, create that new habit and a new way of thinking and a new way of being. So do you think that we should start small then? Oh, always start small. Yeah, because, you know, because then it's doable, right? Smart goals. So it's something that you start with one thing, one thing and work from there, right? And as if we do that, baby steps, you, 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 what's the next best thing, you know, after that happens and you're feeling satisfied and and good with that. And we're going to go back, right? We're going to, you know, sometimes it'll be, you know, one step forward, five steps back, keep going. Because the more we can do that for ourselves and knowing that we have a goal out in the distance, but we have to get from point A to point B. We can't just jump ourselves there. We have to go through those steps. And then what occasionally a- being able to look back and go, oh, my gosh, look look at how far I've come. But we just have to believe in ourselves and, and keep moving forward. But knowing that we can change, too. If something's not working for us, hell try something different. Don't feel like it has to be prescribed where you have to stay in this mold of, or on this path. There's always a way to come back, refocus, read, you know, have, have a different thought about, yeah, that worked for me, but it doesn't work for me now. So, so what might work for you now? Let's give that a try.
0: Yeah. I, I, I feel like one of the mantras that's helped me is I'm not the same woman I used to be. I'll say Mm -hmm. that and that kind of gives me permission to try and do something different Mm -hmm. that doesn't apply to me anymore. Kind of like, you know, just a little bit of a pause or a space in order to do something different, you know, which might seem unnatural or unnecessary. Mm -hmm. What about having an accountability partner? Do you suggest that people have a mentor Mm -hmm. or, I mean, that's a good thing about having a coach is keep you accountable. What if Absolutely. it's your, what if it's your husband? Is, is that yeah.
1: okay? Absolutely. You, you, you know, I think the, the main thing is knowing that whatever boundaries you're, you're setting for yourself, you have to make that clear to your accountability partner. Right. And knowing that you're not asking for advice or, you know, sometimes we just need someone to listen. We just need someone to listen to us. We don't want to hear the advice or what we should do or whatever. I just want you to listen and tell me that I'm okay.
0: Yeah. That goes both ways, I think.
1: Oh gosh. Absolutely. So yes. Having an accountability person or, you know, a community where you can, you can get support and offer support, I think is huge.
0: Okay. And tell me, how has your life changed as a result of this this whole (sighs) process? Like who, who is the woman that we have today? Like tell us about, yeah, how it, how that has changed for you.
1: I think what's changed for me is the fact that I've finally understood that I don't have to be everything to everyone. I think it took a long time for me to actually really understand that that was okay. And that the whole people pleaser, me having to feel like a sense of people are only going to love me if I can give all of myself or I have to be just the right amount of whatever that person needs or those you know people need. And I realized I have to do it I have to do for me and love myself first, because I'm taking care of myself. And by extension, I'm taking care of myself. It's gonna give me so much more energy and lightness to be able to be with others and and give, give others what they need. But yeah, absolutely, taking care of yourself first is paramount. So that has helped me enormously. And also for the fact that, you know, I'm turning 50 and, I have to understand that not everyone works the way I do, but that doesn't mean that's wrong and vice versa. So I'm going to be me. And if people love it, awesome. If people don't, that's okay too. But just being really solid in my own truth, my authenticity, I think is huge. And it's going to carry me to wherever I wish to go.
0: It's going to carry you. It already is. I can see it already is. You're definitely I think you've definitely found your calling. Um, and you know, when I was 20, 30 years old, I remember looking at women that were in their 40s or 50s and there was something about them. They had exuded this kind of I didn't know what it was, but today I understand because I'm walking into that now myself and mm-hmm. it's kind of like this acceptance for who we are and which kind of helps us to accept other people too, right? And yeah. And just this thing like I don't have the energy anymore to care about all that stuff that I used to care about. It's so freeing. Yeah. I'm thinking like, I wish I could have gotten that, you know, <laughs> oh, you know. but at least breath. I'm feeling it now and it's yeah. not a hundred percent, but I can feel the beginnings of it. And, um, you know, for all the moms that are listening that feel like this, you know, it's a big stretch. You know, we talk about self-love and, you know, I hear a lot of, Thing you know, you're talking a lot about self-compassion too. I've I've done a lot of self-compassion work, and you know, we have the soothing touch, and there's a lot of things about finding the silver lining and things, and just really like honoring who you are in whatever moment that you go through and doing it in the moment, you know. And I hear a lot of that and what you're sharing, and so what I, for the mothers that are listening, this kind of self-love, oh, just love yourself. Just you know, find you know, we hear that, and it's these are nice implementable steps. It's nice to hear that. We can get there if we just start small and have the mindset that we the belief that we do deserve to put ourselves you know as paramount importance and you know honestly that the work i've it's just it's a new process for me but i can i'm a better mother when i do that you know and better mother i feel like i show up like the mother that i want to be That's
1: so powerful. Well, and I, and something else that I learned lately too, is I, so we're raising teenagers now. So we have three teens in the house, we have two out and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's chaotic <laughs> and it's just different, right? It's just a different transition, right? So whatever stage they're in, right, there's a different transition and different challenges and so forth. But I have this, just this huge revelation that honestly just helped me. I think in everything that I do now. And that is that, you know, we want the best for our kids, right? We want them to be safe. We want them to be happy. We want, we, you know, we want them to have everything that they, that they need to feel safety and security and all of that, right? But what I've realized is that, you know, whatever, so my daughter and my stepson are both graduating um, this year from high school. And I want so much for them, right? I want them to go out and be the best people that they can in the world, and all of this stuff. And what I realized through that was that no matter what I do, they're still going to do what they do, <laughs> no, no matter what. I can't, I can't control that. I can't, I can't even, you know, guide them to what I want for them. They have to, they have to figure out that for themselves. And having that sense of like being able to pull and kind of step back a little bit and let go of whatever happens for them. I will always be there to support and love and encourage, right? But I can't control any of that. I can't control what my husband does or doesn't do, my parents, none of it, right? All I have to do is like how I react. How do I occur in the world? That's all I have. That's, and I think that's really all that matters because once I made that shift of like, feeling like I was out of control with this out of control teen I had a a while back that just so much just lifted for me. Like I have to trust that she's going to make mistakes and she's going to learn from them. Right. I can't, I can't make that happen for her. I can't make it all rosy for her all the time. And I can't do that for anyone else. I just have to be able to say, I know what I can control and I can't control the uncontrollables. And there's a lot of lightness for me that happened because of that. And as a mom, I think that's really important because we want, we just, we want so much for our kids. And at some point we have to, we have to stop and stop and sit back and observe and love and encourage and just be there. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm in the
0: little ages now. My Mm -hmm. friends that have teenagers of, Or have kids that are in their 20s and have been through rough patches, you know, and just wait till the kids are, you know, get to leave the house. It's a whole different thing. And
1: they're still there. (laughs) Still something. It's always going to be something, right? It's always going to be something. It's never going to go away. So how do we, how do we, how do we deal with that? You know, knowing that that's still going to be a thing always, right?
0: Yeah, we take care of it now. Then I think that we start doing things that enable us to just believe in ourselves as women, as mothers. and I would love to have you back on the show. And if we could talk more about the author part of you, how it was writing your book and that whole process. And um, so I'd like to invite you back if you'd be willing. We'd love to have you back.
1: I would love to. And I do want to say, if anyone is interested, I I do want to just offer this, is if they go to feelsexyagain.com and they click um, to... So here's what I want to do. I don't want anyone to buy my book. I want them to actually just sign up for the email and I want to send them a digital copy. And so if they do that, I will send them a copy for free. My print book is going to be out. Um, I will get them probably within the next couple of months and then they'll go out in bookstores in the fall, but I will have some in my hot little hands pretty soon. But I really do. I want to offer my book to, to everyone. And right now it's digital. So if they do go to feelsexy.com, just sign up for the email and I will send them a digital copy.
0: Oh, thank you so much for that. Oh, you're so welcome. It's my pleasure.
1: Are you can. Where me? else, where else can
0: people find you? Tell us about what you have going on this year.
1: Oh, oh boy. Well, yeah. So the Hawaii, the Hawaii thing. Um, so I'm involved in this amazing sisterhood called Thirteen Temples, and they're based out of the Big Island in Hawaii, um, on Volcano or in Volcano, the, the town. And we are curating some amazing uh, coaching that is going to be happening within the next couple of months. And we are creating online programs, um, retreats when we're all out and able able to be able to travel again. Um, But I'll tell you, my working title for my series is going to be called Ignite Your Fire Through Sacred Sensuality and I'm super excited. It's, it's gonna be um, something that women can come together. You know, we have so many emotions that we're not allowed to express in our society well, right? And so I'm gonna break them down and we're gonna go through some, uh, you know, something like, you know, how do we express rage appropriately? How to do it in a way that gives us power, empowerment, um, and en- enlighten us and be able to use that in our everyday lives. Both in our professional lives, our personal lives, and in the bedroom and out of the bedroom. So I'm going to have some super, super cool stuff happening, and some webinars in the very near future. So and where can they? They'll find out. Can they? Do you have a newsletter too, or can they sign up? They can sign up. The the news. There, we're shifting some things right now. So I'm going to have a different website in the near future. But if they want more information, I can get them to get their um, get their email. And um, as things get a little bit more. As it's unfolding, I should say that there'll be more information to be shared very soon.
0: And where can they find you? On are you on
1: Facebook or Instagram? I'm on Instagram as Erica Lemke Life Coach, and I'm on Facebook. I think as Erica G Lemke. Got it. And that's L E M K E. L E M K E. Yes, (laughs) and we'll have that, of course,
0: in the show notes. But I just want
1: to be sure that they can find you. Absolutely. But yes, I want to give the book. I honestly, this is such an honor for me, and the biggest thing is like. I wrote the book because I thought it would help me get through what I was going through. And I thought if a bonus, if I could help one other person to see that, you know, things that are happening in their lives can, we can get through it. Um, But it also takes a community to be able to have that support and ask for help. So I just want to, I want to share and I want to help, you know, a lot of women. And I know that I know that can happen. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well,
0: I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll definitely look forward to having you back. And you. all the ladies that are listening or watching, we will see you next time. So thank you.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Take care. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for spending time with us today. Please tune in next week for my interview with Dr. Catherine Dale, otherwise known as Luna Mama. Dr. Kat works with women in regulating menstruation, balancing hormones, and increasing fertility. She has a very close relationship with the moon and explains the connection the moon has with self-care and manifestation. In this interview, we discuss self-care best practices, ways we can consistently show up for ourselves, and tackling guilt. Dr. Kat will also be offering her five-day self-care experience as a gift. Hope you'll join us.